Hello and welcome to the On The Knob Pause in association with thatsagold.com. Make sure you check out That's A Gold for all the best horse racing, football, golf tips, many more and all the fantastic bookmakers offers available. I'm your host, Will Rooney, and today I'm joined by regular member Henry Gibbs as well as two new members of the podcast. First of all, introduce Paul Martin who has a keen eye on the American race scene ahead of our Breeders' Cup preview. Paul, thanks for coming on. Nobody's glad to be here, glad to finally get the call up. I've been waiting on the sidelines for a couple of weeks, so I'm finally get the coaches put me in the game. Well, let's hope you can make an impression after buying your time. And after having Alice Plunkett on last week, we've got another very, very special guest. I'm delighted that no other than Sky Sports Racing's Tim Carroll has joined us on the podcast this evening. Tim, thanks very much for coming on. Pleasure, lads. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Always happy to talk racing, especially international racing. Excellent. So we'll talk to you for a little bit first. Then, I mean, talk us through your career from being a jockey to getting into broadcasting, really. What took your attention to racing? How did you get into it, first and foremost? Well, look, I'll, I'll try to cut a long story short, but my um, grandparents were illegal SP bookmakers in Melbourne. So when I was a kid, I could always remember it. I'm a bit older than you guys. This is back before we had too much uh, pay television. So I can remember the phones always running hot on a race day, especially on a Saturday in the back room out the house. I didn't, I, I didn't really know what was going on, but there was chalkboards, a lot of chalk and a lot of activity. Um, and that's why I, I, I caught the bug from there. I had my first bet. I probably shouldn't have to say this, but I had my first bet when I was seven years old. Horse called uh, Battle Heights, New Zealand horse. He won the Cox Plate, I collected. Um, and I was pretty much hooked after that, I suppose. Um, and then when it came to school, I, I look, I don't think I was the, you know, I, I might not have been the sharpest crayon in the box. I wasn't, I wasn't too bad, but I always wanted to play sport. I always wanted to play cricket and, and sort of rugby league and, and basically represent Australia. And that didn't work out. I don't know why, probably because I was five foot nothing. So the, the logical progression was to, to go into horse racing as a jockey. I, I used to actually run a book at school. That's a true story. <laughs> football, I used to take all the pocket money off the kids at school. Um, but I, I, I went on to be a jockey, but I had a lot of weight problems. I mean, I'm not overly tall, but I'm, I'm pretty broad across the shoulder. And, and once, unless you're five foot nothing, once you get broad across the shoulder as a jockey, you're pretty well finished. What was your biggest highlight then as a jockey, would you say? Well, to be honest with you, it wasn't when I rode on race day, but uh, I was riding a horse track work called Double Dandy. Now, what I tended to do, I will be honest, I'd throw my licence in, get fat, then make a bit of a comeback, you know, lose, lose two and a half stone and, and get back into it. This was when I was taking a break and I was, I was riding a horse called uh, Double Dandy. This is back in the 80s. And I'll be honest, I was only a young lad. I was 17, so I wasn't old enough to, to have a bet. But I didn't have a jockey's licence at the time, so I was allowed to bet, from that perspective at least. Um, and I, I galloped in one morning. Till this day, and I've ridden some good ones. You know, I rode Avon Angel. She was Australasia's champion sprint mare, and a few others. I never rode a horse. It, it's that old saying. It was like most of them feel like a mini mine, and this thing felt like a Ferrari this day. And I remember coming back on the horse, saying to Harold Riley, who was a, an old New Zealand trainer, you know, very very good trainer. I said, Harold, I don't know what he's done on the stopwatch there. I said, but this horse is just giving me the most incredible feel. We're going to have to have a few quid on. And he was racing at Rambic, which is one of the big racetracks in Australia on the Saturday. This was on the Wednesday. And I, I, I'm going on a little bit here, but I've got to set this up because this is a, a career highlight. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> my, my grandmother was obviously a racing fanatic and I rang her up and said, listen, I've, I've got one on Saturday. I think I'll win. I'll pick you up. We'll go to the races if you like. So I'll go around. I'll pick her up. We get caught in traffic. We get to the racetrack. 
And basically the, the tote windows are between the, the entrance and the, the, the bookmakers. And I didn't have time to get the bookmakers. My idea was I was gonna have 200 bucks on the horse and we're gonna take the trifecta because my, which is a tri-cars, my dear old grandmother used to follow this horse called Steel to Steel all the time. So we're gonna take them both to win, both to run second in the field. I can't get to the bookmakers, so I bolt to the tote, I chuck the 200 on, I take the trifecta for a couple of bucks, I think it cost me about $32. I, to this day, I've never seen the race. I'm listening to it, still the steel's out in front, double dandy's out in the back somewhere, and I, I still remember, I think it was Ian Craig doing the calling, halfway up the stretch, he's gone, it's steel, it's steel, steel, it's steel out in front, what's this on the outside? By God, it's double dandy outside. <laughs> so he's won, still the steel's run second, some 33 to one shot runs third. Now, Double Dandy was about 40 to 1 in the tissue. So I'm thinking, this is great. Going to collect 8K here. Got the trifecta a couple of times. The tote, he's gone off 244 to 1. I've picked up 50K. I'm 17. The trifecta, which I've got going twice, has paid over 30K. So that was probably a highlight, but from maybe more from a punter's perspective than a mm. rider's perspective. Did set me up quite nicely. I'm sure it did, yeah. And when was it when... So you, you're a jockey and obviously you had problems with your weight. When was it then you decided as... I can't do this anymore. Maybe I'll look into maybe going into the broadcasting realm of things. Oh, I was very fortunate. I was in the right place at the right time. I um, I got to the stage where I literally, I mean this literally, apart from sucking on frozen oranges, I wasn't eating for two or three days. I was sleeping in wetsuits and all that type of thing. You know, in an Australian summer, that, that ain't a lot of fun. Needless to say, the girlfriend never used to come around on those nights. <laughs> I got to the point where I, I, I physically I was spent, so I decided to give it away. I would have loved to have been a trainer, but I, I've seen so many good people, good, hardworking people who knew what they were doing, and they just didn't have the luck. And I, so I, it put me right off being a trainer. But I was very fortunate. I knew an owner who was the GM of the local sort of sports and racing radio stations it was back then, and he offered me a traineeship. Now, to be honest with you, the money wasn't real good. The traineeship was about two years, for, for about two years. And I said, Ted, his name is Ted. I said, Ted, is there any chance, if I'm any good at it, I can just do the traineeship for one year because, you know, like, <laughs> this ain't a lot of money sort of thing. He agreed to that. I went and did it. And he said, oh, you won't be on air for six months. And within three months, I was the lead presenter. So it just sort of went from there, I suppose. You just have a natural gift for it, then you just sort of, I suppose, you knew you're racing, you have the background. It always helps, doesn't it, when you've been around that climate to seamlessly move into it? I, I think if you're going to do any media that, that involves presenting, whether it be television or radio, that, 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 you know, the biggest thing you can have on your side is knowledge. And it is the sort of game you learn all the time. But after the amount of years I've been in it and the fact I've worked on both sides of the globe, I'd, I'd have to be pretty moronic if I hadn't learned a fair bit by now. But believe you me, you learn plenty all the time in this game. I know a lot of people say that, but it's absolutely true. Mm, definitely, yeah. So when was it when you decided to cross the other side of the world and maybe come into into England and start working for, at the races? Uh, it was 2004 was the first year. Actually, 2003, I came over for a holiday, and then 2004, I sort of moved over. Um, and I've been here ever since. And to be honest, guys, I, I actually really enjoy it. If, if I'm going to do the Aussie complaint thing, oh, you bloody winters, my God, I don't get <laughs> the winters over here, the dark and the cold. But I really enjoy it. There's only two negatives for me is the winter, and I suppose I am kind of used to having a bit more room around me. Like, I never had to deal with, you know, traffic jams and things like that back mm -hmm. home. So that takes a bit of getting used to. But it, it, it's a wonderful location. Um, you're very close to the rest of the world. So there's a lot of things you can do. And I actually think England's a beautiful country. And yeah, look, I know we G each other up at sport and that sort of thing, but I think English people in, in general are just fabulous people. 
you know, well, there's going to be a few exceptions, of course, but you get a few exceptions everywhere. Absolutely, yeah. And have you always kept an eye on the Australian race and obviously given your background and the Hong Kong, have you always kept more of an eye on that than, say, the British European racing or have you tried to divvy it up equally? No, look, to be honest with you, I used to do the on-course to Labrooks, um, and I enjoyed it because I'm, I'm a little bit old school. I mean, I'm in my 50s now, and I still like going to the racetrack and looking at the horse, not just for the excitement of the races. If I'm going to have a punt, like a proper punt, I do like to look at the horse in the paddock first. Mm. Um, and I really enjoyed that, and I love the racing over here. Well, more so the flat, just because I didn't grow up on jumps. I appreciate it. I get Cheltenham, I get the Grand National, but I didn't grow up on that. I grew up on the flat. Um, but you can't be across everything. Anybody who's you know trying to give you selections in in Australia, in England, in Ireland, in France, in, in Hong Kong, in America, uh, you know they're, they're kidding. Because if you do inform properly, you don't have time to go through all of the form. So I tend to in Australia now just keep an eye on the on the sort of more high shelf stuff, the bigger stuff. Over here, very much the same now. I used to love betting in the lower stuff over here, but I just don't have the time to do the form. Uh, in Hong Kong, obviously, I'm across all of that because I'm paid to be. Uh, and in America, to be honest with you, because there's so much racing, I'm across, uh, but sometimes I'll, I'll come on and the horse will pop up. I'm on Sky Sports Racing on stateside. Horse will come up, send 25 starts, and I, I, I just don't recall the horse at all just mm. because there's so much racing. But again, sort of the, the, the middle tier and the highest stuff in America, I'd like to think I'm across it fairly strongly. Definitely. And favourite horse of all time, past or present, who would you give that one to? Well, look, I'm going to say Double Dandy because he, he set me up for, well, not for life, but he gave me a good head start in life. But if I was to be absolutely honest, I do remember as a kid watching Secretariat's Belmont. Hmm. Um, I was here for Frankel, which is, was just incredible. And Black Hour. I've always said to people, if I knew for a fact they were going to run the form, there was no bad luck involved in the race. There's only three horses I've ever seen that I've literally put my conkers on. One would be Black Caviar over six furlongs. Not the Black Caviar you saw here. The Black Caviar, mm. you know, that was, I think she ran about 14, 15 pound below her best here and still won. It kind of gives you an idea of what she was capable of. One is Frankel over a mile on turf. I've never seen a horse that beat him over a mile on turf. And one was Secretariat on dirt, probably, oh God, seven furlongs to a mile and a half. I've never seen a horse that beat him on dirt at his best. They'd, they'd be the three that stand out for me. And that kind of makes them my favourite. Love Black Caviar because apart from everything, she was also a gentle giant. You, you could put your four-year-old kid on her in the middle mm. of the preparation. She was just that sort of horse. Definitely free horse in the pantheon of... I don't think she gets the respect Black Caviar over here. Say she was below her best, but that Moonlight Clouds, who she uh, beat even, as you say, 14, 15, she, she was no muggle. She beat Moonlight Clouds, so real below mm -hmm. par and still managed to see her off. Yeah, absolutely right. Moonlight cloud was brilliant let's not forget the six furlongs at, at royal ascot that's not like nothing we've got in australia there's there's no track that compares to it but i promise you she was a long way below her best that day you got to remember there was a horse called soul in the race who was a godolphin horse and he was originally an australian horse they never actually met in, in australia he was originally based in australia he and black caviar never met but literally he was being beaten six lengths by horses she was beaten by six lengths on the bridle over six furlongs he got within yeah. about one or three quarter lengths of her and that kind of i know look you know you can't do proximity as the end or be all but it does give you an indication of how far below below form she was matter who you're winning no matter who you're up against to win that many on the spin in the sprint race it's and in especially in Australia, you know, I, I can see middle distance to Europe and to a lesser extent Japan every day of the week, even, even when our middle distance was stronger. This is the epicenter of middle distance. But I promise you, even in a poor year in Australia, the sprinters are still very good. Yeah, definitely. Well, you mentioned the Grand National, Tim. We're all 
we've all grown up a stone's throw from ancient race course and we know how big the race is across the country and you know the Melbourne Cup is the race that stops the world. That's on Tuesday. What's it like in Australia? Have you, has it always been this big? Has it grown as as more people have flocked to the race course? Just just describe what it is. It's called the race that stops stops a nation. Is it quite literally that in in Australia? Absolutely. I'm 53. I don't think it's got any bigger to, in Australia since I was a kid, but it certainly got bigger globally. And that's mm-hmm. probably, you can go back firstly to Dermot Well, the vintage crop, which is one of the greatest international travelling performances I've ever seen. At that point, I think most people, including a lot of learned trainers, would have said, even from over here, that you can take a horse to America, seven, eight hours. You could take a horse to Australia and give it a campaign and win. But to go down and win the Melbourne Cup on a hit and run was basically impossible. And to be fair, I know people knock the Australian form. To be fair, we were probably a fair bit stronger back then as well, you know, before we started sort of taking the route of buying all these European horses. Um, I think in Australia, to give you an idea, actually, I, it's something I am proud of. I've always said the way that Australia buy into their, their main race and racing in general is something as an Australian you are proud of. I remember being at school and we have to, we would have to stop the classes um, and originally it was on radio and listen to the Melbourne Cup and then when TV became a little bit more sort of um, prominent in school and we'd watch it on television it was that sort of thing everything stopped public holiday in Victoria they, they have parties everywhere I mean I, you talk to any trainer from England Ireland France wherever it may be that, that takes a horse down there and they say you won't experience anything like it is it the greatest race in the world no it's the greatest handicap in the world without a shadow of a doubt is it the greatest race well of course it's not Mind you, we, we, you know, we've got a derby winner going around in it this year and you know, some other high-class animals. But if you're talking purely about the way it stops a nation, the way the country buys into it and the ambience around it, I don't think there's a race like it in the world. The Grand National would be the closest, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all been to the National on National Day, and it is a great day. Maybe getting a little bit, little bit out of hand now because it's so busy. What's it like being a, a Flemington on Melbourne Cup Day? It's crazy. I, to be honest with you, I've, I've you know, been fortunate I've been to it. Without corporate or working there as media, where you've got far better access, I just wouldn't go again. <laughs> it's just, it's absolutely mad if you're out mm. in the middle there. It's packed to the rafters. I think they have to cap it now. I, you know, they, they, could, they could probably sell it out three or four times over without a problem at all. But it, it, it's mad. It, look, it depends. I mean, you guys, you'd be like myself. You, you'd want to go there to actually see the race and see the horse. Mm. It's a little bit yeah. difficult in that sort of environment. But at the end of the day, it's good that we have days like that. I remember going to the first time I ever went to Cheltenham was when Coito Star regained his crown. So what a day to go. But I must admit, by oh, geez, by the end of the day, I was I was completely knackered. I was ready to lie down for two days. You know, so many people there, so crowded. And I kind of thought I was glad I was there because I was there for the moment, but I reckon I would have seen it better if I had just watched it on TV, to be honest. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you'll be setting your alarm early on Tuesday morning, won't you, for the Melbourne Cup? Yep. Um, who do you like at the minute? We've got a you know, we've got European races, as you mentioned, Anthony Van Dyke going over, you know, Aidan O'Brien going for the race, Joseph O'Brien going for the race, I'm just going through your notes now. Willie Mullen sending a couple of over. It's a great race, isn't it? It's a it's a global it's a global contest now. Who do you like who do you like for the racing at the moment? Well, look, can I be a little bit cheeky here, guys? Last year uh, on the ATR website, they asked me to do a write-up for the Melbourne Cup. So I was, I was asking my sort of top five selections, which I gave. And between those five, we've got the one, two, three, four. Um, in Australia, it's a very popular bet called the, the first four. And it paid 80000 So it was a sort of decent 
decent um, decent return if you followed me in, so to speak. I can't say I took it because, unfortunately, I haven't been able to keep my Australian account. won't go into that. I tried to, but they just wouldn't let me. Um, but if I can give you my top five, like the five I'd be putting up there, and then I, I can certainly put some meat on the bone if you like, mm. in, in, in no particular order. I think the horse that's the most overpriced is Twilight Payment. It ran very well in this race last year, was only beaten four lengths, didn't have the best of luck. You have to throw Anthony Van Dyke in. Now, the forecast is, is saying it's going to be good ground, and Aidan O'Brien swears he's a lot better on top of the ground. Excellent performance in the Caulfield Cup, very unluckily beaten. The big negative for mine would be, well, well, firstly, he's obviously not proven at two mile, but I think chances are he'll run two mile on a flat track down under. The biggest issue is he carries 58 and a half kilos, and historically speaking, we know this is a really tough race to win off top weight. Not many top weights win it, but I think he'll be thereabouts. Prince of Aaron, you've got to put him in. I think he's had five or six runs in Australia now. He's never been outside of the top four. I, I don't even know if Charlie Fellows can explain it. He goes down there and he seems to grow a leg. And, and people say, oh, yeah, but it's because of the Australian horses. Rubbish. Most of the horses he, he's beaten aren't Australian. They're ex-Europeans and current Europeans. And if you have a look, he, he, he goes down there and he beats horses. They'd be 33 to 1 against here, if you know what I mean. He, he just loves yeah. to join. Excellent run in the Caulfield Cup. Flew home and ran four. My negative would be he's been beaten in the race twice. He's been placed in it twice. And I just got kind of get the feeling it's going to be a little bit like Red Caddo. Has he had his chance? Is, is it going to be three placings, three years on the bounce? Um, off the others, Ashram, uh, German-trained horse, had to win the Lexus to get into this on the weekend. And it was a it, look, it was a weak field. It normally is these days. But he defied a race setup that didn't suit. He came from the back. There wasn't a lot of speed on He'll definitely stay to two miles, no weight on his back. And finally, if I can throw in one local, surprise baby, if you go back to last year's race and you were looking at it from a futures perspective, I, this year, he'd be the one you'd take out of the race. He, he'd only gone into the race with half a dozen runs under his belt, like his, his whole career. He made up a lot of ground. He was given too much to do. He ran fifth. It was a really nice performance. He's only had a couple of runs this year. They've laid him out for it. I think he'll be there or thereabouts. So Tiragani won the Cox Plate last time. Do you not fancy him to be in the mix? Yeah, he was very good. I think they got a nice tune out of him as well. Um, it was a lowly rated Cox Plate. I believe it's one of the lowest we've had this century. But I, that's not taking anything away from the performance because to, to go down there, your first run, first up, is an impressive performance. Uh, I would have some doubts about him over the two miles at this stage. Although, having said that, Glenn Boss jumped off and basically said to the connections, you've got to take him to the Melbourne Cup. He's a Melbourne Cup type. And, well, Glenn Boss was aboard Maccabi Diva for three Melbourne Cups. And the third one of those is one of the best rides you, you'll ever see at a Melbourne Cup. So, to be fair, Glenn would probably have a fair bit better idea than I would. But then again, maybe he was just making sure he had a, a half-decent ride in the Melbourne Cup. Look, it's a very open race. I certainly wouldn't say no to him. Um, but... He's not my, well, he's obviously not in my top five, but of course it wouldn't be a shock if he, he went down. He was a high horse here last year after he won at Chester. I mean, I think all of us went, whoa, gee, this, this horse looks pretty handy. And of course, on the back of that, Ryan Moore rode him in the derby and he went off favourite. Mm. For whatever reason, he hasn't quite lived up to that. I kind of get the feeling that that's probably been his best run for some time, though, in the Cox Plate. And again, we can make jokes about the, the Australian form, but let's not forget he had Armoury back in second. It was coming off a pretty decent effort in the Irish Champion Stakes behind two very good horses. Excellent stuff. So if I was giving you £10 now, Tim, give it on any horse you want, win or each way, who would you be backing? 
if you if you were giving me the ten pounds, I could go. I'd go with the Ruffy Twilight payment. Although I've kind of got a feeling Surprise Baby might be the one to beat, but I'd go with the Ruffy Twilight payment because I reckon you must be able to get forty to one on the machines at the moment. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff, Paul. You don't normally uh, like getting up early. I've been away from you, and you normally lie in bed till all hours. But you'll be setting your alarm for this one, won't you? I always set my alarm for it. So it's a funny reason. Been better and now 17, so about 13 years. Never had the winner. It was my bogey race. The only race I haven't ticked off really uh, back in the winner. Uh, that changed in 2017 when the Joseph O'Brien won one. Then I crossed counter in 2018, so I thought we've got the hang of it easy. Uh, normal service resumed last year. I don't think I had the place. Um, so th- this year, uh, two darts. First one's boring, Anthony Van Dyke. Uh, time when I wrote this, he was nice. I think the draws just come out. Uh, he's got a nice little inside draw, so he's being cut to sixes. Uh, so if, he was, if I hadn't got the nines on, I wouldn't be in a rush to get on at sixes. Um, so he got beat by Very Elegant. Uh, say Very Elegant won me a couple of favours when we were locked down over here and we, we were all Aussie racing nuts. Uh, won me a couple of uh, Aussie dollars. We're getting up early Saturday mornings for that. Uh, but I thought he was lucky to not lucky, but say if uh, Bowman had had that again, I don't think he'd swing as wide on the turn in the Caulfield Cup. Like, lost a couple of lengths. Don't get me wrong, he had the chance to get past him and couldn't. But say this time, say keep it to the inside. I think he'll get the two mile. So it's uh, got a little bit at nines and just a bit of a roughy. I do Miami bounce. Uh, say if you get on the Betfair Exchange, they obviously do a bit with it. If you back the outsiders on the exchange, you always get a bit more juice for your money. So, uh, probably about 35 40s on the exchange. I'll go there, uh, I'll have a little tickle on that each way. So, Anthony Van Dyke and a little saver on Miami Bound. Excellent stuff. And Henry, are there any strong fancies for you? Yeah, well, I, w- I wouldn't say strong fancies. Like, you know, I, I love me British and Irish racing, but events like the Melbourne Cup and the Breeders' Cup. I'm always there watching them. You, you can't beat them. Something a bit different. In terms of the Melbourne Cup, I like one that actually hasn't been mentioned yet, surprisingly, and, and that's Aidan O'Brien's other runner, Tiger Moth. Mm. Um, unlucky second in the Irish Derby, I thought, and then he did back that up well with a very good win next time out at Dundalk. Won that by four lengths, staying on strongly. I don't think that you'll have an issue with this trip. I'd like to have seen him run in the St. Ledger, to be honest, so I'm surprised. O'Brien didn't run him there, but he like comes into this race fresh. He's got a lovely racing weight of eight stone four and top Irish jockey, sorry, top Aussie jockey and McAvoy on board. I think that'll certainly run a big race. It, I'd just like to ask Tim in terms of very elegant, because that, that was one that I liked. It, it does have pretty strong form. It was close behind the Dave twice when we were on lockdown. Do you think it'll have any issues with this trip, Tim, or...? Yeah, I do actually, and to be fair, she's probably in career best form at the moment. I think she's, you know, she's better than what she was when she ran second to a day. But mind you, in the Queen Elizabeth, he, he beat her and the rest fairly easily. But I think she's really hit a peak at the moment. But if you look at that Caulfield Cup, I know people say Anthony Van Dyke was unlucky, but if you look at what she did early in that race, she took a right old tug, and how she found as much as what she did kind of surprised a little bit. I, I thought it was an impressive performance, but then from a Melbourne Cup perform, uh, perspective, if she takes a tug like that over the two miles in the Melbourne Cup, I think she's in all sorts of trouble. If they can get her to relax, she's probably, along with Surprise Baby, the best of the locals. But I've got my doubts. It's a fairly well-known fact that she's quite a difficult ride. 
Yeah, fair enough. I think I'll just go with Tiger Moth then. One thing about Tiger Moth, I'll just throw a stat at you. There's a lot of positives about him. Firstly, Aidan O'Brien. Secondly, he's a three-year-old. You're right about that. I mean, two Northern Hemisphere three-year-olds have won the race in the last three years. He's drawn out in 23, and that's going to be yeah. a bit tricky. You've got to go back to 1976. Vanderham was the last one to win from that draw. It's a, it's a, it's a tough draw, but you do have the right man on top in, in Kira McAvoy. Yeah, that's what's weighed for me, to be honest, with McAvoy on board. Hopefully you can get a nice position early on and then go from there. Brilliant stuff. Well, we've covered the Melbourne Cup and the international top-class action continues to come thick and fast, especially at more social hours for ourselves here in England because the Breeders' Cup, two excellent days of racing stateside. Tim, just a little bit about the the, Mel- the, uh, the Breeders' Cup on you. What, what what do you make of this event? It's just a fantastic two days of racing. Is it just attracts superstars from all over the world and a great initiative when it came in? Oh, it's sensational. I've been fortunate to go to a few of them and it's it's a great atmosphere. I've always said, if someone says, uh, how do you describe the Breeders' uh, Cup? It's basically, it's like the um, the big golf. Goodness, I'm having a mind blank. What, what's the big one called between uh, Europe and America? The Ryder Cup. Ryder Cup, thank you. It's the Ryder <laughs> Cup of horse racing. I've been, I've been to a Ryder Cup too. I just couldn't remember it. But that's what it's like. You get that real Europe-America feel. I was really fortunate. I was there at Santa Anita in 2008 when they put down the synthetic and the Europeans won six of the 13 races. It was a real proper day out. I was there with a few friends. I was doing a little bit of work, but having a lot of fun, but we cleaned up. I mean, we, we backed just about every European winner that won that time. And it just had a fabulous feel to it. It's one of the best meetings in the world. And I know that dirt racing isn't everyone's cup of tea and that's absolutely fine, but I would challenge anyone who calls himself a, a racing fanatic to go to the breeders and say it isn't simply superb. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not sure if it's just me, but I've lost all the volume there. Sorry, I was on mute there. Sorry, sorry, Tim. When 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 it comes to betting in, in the Breeders' Cup over the two days, what's your your strategy do you take every race for face value or do you favor the american horses in certain race and europeans in the other what's your tack that you usually take i think there's a couple of angles you've got to have a lot of respect for the europeans but i also think that we've got a lot against us when we go over there it's not just the travel and getting used to the new surroundings it's actually the tracks the tracks are just so different to the ones over here. The races are generally run a lot quicker. They come out and belt, mostly in America, as we know. They're very quick out of the stalls. Sometimes uh, I, I think you can find angles against some of the Europeans. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to be sort of disloyal or anything like that. I mean, obviously I'm not gonna take on a European, say in the Turf Classic, which is a race that normally suits the Europeans. But if you have a look at the, the Turf Mile, for instance, I think Golda Cover won her third Turf Mile in 2010. There's only been one European trained winner since then. There's been a couple of ex-European horses. Uni won it last year, and she's an ex-French trained. But there are a couple of angles you can take. The other thing is I would say, depending on where you are, this is going back a few years ago, but we used to go to Vegas when you could bet in America um, properly. And we used to go over there and back the European horses because the Americans obviously would be favouring their locals. But over here, we'd, we'd back the American horses because <laughs> they were favouring their... There was always an angle there. But... You're only playing percentages, I, I suppose. But, yeah, look, um, I, I, 
I think there's certain angles you can come in at, but the one thing I would say, and I know we're about to look at these races, I think that the draw in America, like Australia, like Hong Kong, is so imperative. And, and I'm, I won't be having any sort of serious bet. I've put on a few acres, you know, just for 30, 40 quid, maybe 200 to one, 300 to one, whatever. But I'll put those on before the draw. But as far as lumping on something, I always like to see the draw. Well, let's hope that some of those actors come in and you let us know which are in them when we go through a few of these races. We'll start off on the Friday. Have a look at a couple of the races. The juvenile turf. There's been eight European winners for the race. Lana Juicy, the most recent for Charlie Appleby in 2018. Aidan O'Brien has the current favourite with Battleground. Tim, what do you think? Is it going to the Europeans or are the Americans going to take this one? I think the Europeans will probably win it. There is one here I do like at a price for the home side, um, Gretzky the Great. I think he's the value runner in the race. He, he dotted up in um, the summer stakes at Woodbine last time out. He's Canadian horse. Now, yeah, let's not pretend that in the summer stakes he, he met anything like he's about to meet here, but he, he really, it, it was ridiculous how easily he won. That's over a mile. He actually brings the high speed figure for the home team to the race. And because he's Canadian, he'll probably be a, a little bit under bet, I would imagine. Um, I, look, I, I think he's a chance of hitting the frame, but I, I, I really like Cadillac from the Jessica Harrington yard. I, I don't know if people are going to disagree with me, but I've had a look at his, his four starts to date, and I'm adamant that horse is better on top of the ground. I know he's run well once on softer ground, but he's got a proper turn of foot, and normally horses that have a proper turn of foot prefer to be on top of the ground. And you know, if you have a look at his form, he, he had Van Gogh or Van Gogh, depending on your pronunciation, three lengths back when taking out the juvenile stakes uh, last month. That form started to look pretty decent at the moment because Van Gogh or Van Gogh came out and hacked up in, in France uh, uh, recently. He was beaten in Dewhurst, but given the turn of foot he showed the start prior, as I said, I, I reckon he's going to be a lot better on top of the ground. The prediction at, at Keeneland, by the way, or the forecast, if you like, at the moment, I know there's been a little bit of rain about recently hopefully they're right they're saying it's going to be pretty decent weather during the week excellent stuff and paul what do you reckon battlegrounds the current favorite nine to two you signed with the fab for aiden o'brien no absolutely i'm more than happy to take this one on uh so if, if you if you back the aiden battalion you'll never say so you'll always be able to shout but uh so i can't have this one favorite it uh, wouldn't have been such a good wood in july they uh, being put away since so i don't question marks about the absence in that said, Vintage would be the 104 rated devious company, and that's been absolutely hammered in about three or four races after since. In fact, I don't think anything's come out of that race unless you class Kings A, you want to class five at a sprinkling field. Um, so, yeah, more than happy to take Battlegrounds. I think it's a false favourite. Uh, touch on what Tim said about Cadillac, uh, I've made the exact same point myself, and his interest in both his defeats have come on the soft ground. Uh, so, for say, if we get the ground quick there, to my, and obviously it's the feet behind Max Sweeney. He's not looking well, Max Sweeney, however, it's pronounced not looking too bad now. And that won the uh, the Rick Dial recent post trophy the other week. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a worry for me. Uh, seal away, it beat the Coventry winner by eight lengths. Don't get me on our day in the leg at Luther there. Don't get me wrong, the ground was an absolute slop. So I was happy to put that down to ground. Square for mention, but happy to give it a miss. Um, I'm with a real roughie at this one. It's 33 on Unibet, uh, but about 14s elsewhere, and it's fire at will. He won the Pilgrim last time out comfortably. Uh, some will argue he got a soft lead, but I thought it was very comfortable. Jockey didn't ask too many questions, and he was always holding. Uh, but by about two lengths, a couple of taps and put it to bed. Uh, and also on his debut, he did win on the slot, and he won coming from off the pace as well. So, versatile. 
south of 30 fleas. If, if you get on with Unibet, Sol, it's uh, fire at will for me. Fire at will. I think I might have a little bet that it seems very aptly named for myself to have a little each way on it. And Henry, have you got any fancies in the race? I can only echo, echo what the others have said, to be honest, Will. I, Cadillac is a filly I do like a lot. Um, it was fifth in a very strong duest. Didn't get the clearest of runs that day. Was very impressive before that in what Breeders' Cup Challenge race at Leopardstown. Like Tim said, where it did beat Van Gogh pretty decisively. I do worry myself about battlegrounds, length off the track. And I think Cadillac could be the value player. I think it's around 13-2. to two, And I think he'll go well. Cadillac very warmly fancied. And we'll move on to the juvenile fillies tip. Campanelli, the Queen Mary winner and the Pre Mornay winner in this race. Four to one at the minute, second favourite to Ampale. Tim, perhaps surprised that Wesley Ward's charge isn't favourite for this race? Uh, no, I'm not, because I've seen what Aunt Pearl's done in the last couple of rounds or around the couple of rounds. She's been hugely impressive. I, I think there's a. Campanelli looks absolutely brilliant, doesn't she? But. There's got to be a little bit of a question mark about her going over the mile, having won at Royal Ascot and then the, um, the pre-Mornay. She, she's absolutely brilliant. To be fair, her last furlong in the pre-Mornay was strong and she won that despite not enjoying the ground. And chances are if she's going to run a mile that would beat America. I'd love to see her win it, to be honest. I, I really would because there's half a chance if she were to come out and win this and win it in an impressive fashion, being Wesley Ward, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if she was here next year for, for the Guineas, for the mm. 1,000 Guineas, because he, he's that sort of trainer. But... Aunt Pearl, she, she's won two from two. She went gate to wire last time out in a grade two. She smashed the race record in that. She smashed it by about two seconds. Now, to be fair, she was only two and a half, three lengths in front of the second. So, obviously, they were running quick time. But the thing I like about Aunt Pearl, she can do it at both ends. She can go quick early and she, she finishes off as well. She's obviously got tactical speed. Um, the fact she's won over this trip as well, uh, she would be the one I'd be with, but that's a bit boring because I know she heads the bed and I think she's about five to two or somewhere there at mm. the moment. But I've got a lot of respect for Campanelle, but just a little bit of a query over the mile uh, first up after quite a lengthy break. With the forecast, you reckon reverse forecast, Tim, possibly then? Um, well, look, I, I suppose it would be. I'm just having to look up. I actually thought Jessica Harrington had one here that was really interesting. Uda Nata, or Uda Nata, I should say, I, I thought was a bit of a player as well. If I was going to take the forecast, the two I'd take it with. Happy to be proven wrong about Campanelle. I really like her you know, as a filler. I mean, she's three from three and she's won in three different countries. How could you not like her? If she goes back and wins at the Breeders now, you'd, you'd make a pretty strong argument, maybe not from a numbers perspective, but from a an achievement or a performance perspective as being the, the premier two-year-old in the world. Um, but I just think there's got to be a question mark about, about her over this trip. That's all. Paul, you're a bit of a sucker for a Wesley Ward's horse. He's won you a few quid in the past, hasn't he? Are you going to be betting through sentiment here or are you going to be using your head and pick something else instead? Um, no, it's a bit of both. It's sentiment on me. It's, it's, uh, it is Campanelli for me. Uh, as you say, that's Wesley, one of my favourite trainers. Uh, hopefully this is the new flag bearer for the yard. It's been a bit in and out since uh, Lady Aurelia. Uh, he had four-wheel drive last year. Thought that would, would have gone on to better things, but it wasn't to be. Um, so hoping this, uh, say this could be the new stable star. As I say, Dean Miles, slight concern. But say they've had a committee of Kieran Fallon, Wesley Ward and Frankie Dottori. So if they think she'll get the mile, then that, that's good enough for me. Uh, just on that morning win, it was uh, six furlongs soft ground as well over in France and as Tim said she was pulling away the final fair long so 
more than happy she'll get the mile. Say and Pearl's respected. A uh, couple of just simply ravishing. Uh, I think that's better on the dirt. And uh, I don't think editor at large can turn around with Plum Mally, who used to be respected. But uh, no, it's Campanelli for me, four to one fair. And I would advise the, uh, the forecast, or should I say exactly, uh, Campanelli to, uh, to get Ampel. Brilliant stuff. And finally, Henry, are you in the Campanelli camp or are you going for something else? Yeah, I can only agree again, to be honest, Will. Campanelli for me, uh, that morning when, was very impressive against the Colts. It wasn't the deepest group one, of course, but like like the lads have said, that was over six furlongs on soft ground and it was staying on strongly in the last furlong going straight to the line. So a mile on this firm ground, I'm, I'm, I'm confident it should be no issue. Confidence stuff there. We'll move on to Saturday then. We won't go through every race, but we selected a few to look at in depth and we'll start with the dirt mile, the grades one on the dirt track. I mean, Tim, for, for listeners who don't know too much about the dirt, four horses who are running on it, what is the difference between that and turf? Because, you know, you see that and you think over here, Kempton, Lingfield, Polytrack, you see, you know, class five races on there for the most part. But a lot of top class racing takes place on the dirt in state, across in state side. Yeah, dirt it tends to be deeper than all weather. You, you quite often see a horse can go from turf to all weather. You see it at the tracks over there, like Woodbine, where they don't have a dirt track. They have all weather and a couple of turfs. And you'll see horses will go from one to the other quite well. Golden Gate is another one. No dirt track. They'll go from the all weather to the turf without any problems. Dirt to turf is a bigger ask. Dirt's, dirt's slower. It's deeper. You tend to find dirt a little bit like all weather, but even more exaggerated from a rider's perspective. But it nullifies a turn of foot. Yeah, you see the American races, it's nearly like a war of attrition on the dirt. Instead of sit there and try to sprint at the right time, it's, you know, let's get out and go and, you know, see who's the fittest and who's the best. Uh, from a rider's perspective, turf's a lot nicer to ride on because you don't get all the kickback. But I've got to say, dirt's a very... Uh, I've only ridden on it a couple of times and not American dirt, but I rode on it in Australia. It's actually a very safe surface to ride on from a, a jockey's perspective, although you do see horses stumble out of the stalls a little bit more than what you do on turf, and that's simply because... They don't get to purchase when they come out. And in the dirt mile, is there any strong selections for you? Look, I wouldn't necessarily say strong, but I think next go is really interesting from the Brad Cox yard. He, he, he's looked a completely different horse since joining Brad Cox. He enters this having won a couple of allowance optional claims, which isn't normally the sort of races you'd be looking at for a breeders. But the, the two that he's won, he's won them by big margins, hugely impressive performance. Okay, this is a decent step up in grade, but he actually ran a time form. This isn't a, a, a buyer figure or an equibase figure or um, any of the other figures you've got over there. He, he ran a time form figure. I don't know if I completely agree, but he ran a time form figure of 129 that day. Now, if he comes out and runs 129 here, even though this is going to be a, a fair bit hotter, he's got to be a serious player. The other thing is, too, I'm pretty sure... Um, I'm pretty sure that Vakoman's going to go to the sprint, at least I hope so, because he'd be the other speed option here. I kind of get the feeling, although you know, there's one or two others that can go quickly as well, but I kind of get the feeling next go will come out and get the front and get it fairly easily, and that's exactly what he needs. Four complexities, the 11 to 4 favourite at the minute. Chad Brown's charge, is that one that you like, or do you be looking to get out on the favourite and take it on? Um... Yeah, I can't really give you the soliloquy on this one. Uh, I haven't got a strong opinion. and say boring again, but it is. It's the uh, complexity. Chavadon, I think he's up to about 30%. Uh, straight eight the last two weeks. Always going to have them there uh, for the uh, 
to World Championships. You can have them here, fit and fine. Um, five to two, three to one for the favourites. Plenty fair, so I'll have a couple of shillings there. Uh, probably out the races with confidence, the one where I, I think I've the uh, strongest of opinion. So five to two, three to one on the fact there. Uh, Chad Brown, usually uh, you'll get the room for your money, so that's the favourite here for me, complexity. And Henry, any anything that you fancy or are you a little bit tentative in this race? Yeah, I'm a little bit tentative, to be honest, Will, on this one. Um, I'll probably wait and see. I think the draw with the kickback will have a big impact. So I'll wait, probably wait till Thursday, Friday and leave this one to the American experts for now. OK, excellent stuff. Well, we'll move on to the Billy Amir turf, grade one race. A couple of European runners in this already, KM Pepper for... Jessica Harrington, peaceful as well, Aiden, Aiden O'Brien. Russian fall for Chad Brown's unbeaten this season. Tim, what's your fancy in this at this stage? Yeah, look, I'm going to side with the Americans here, even though it's on the turf. I think Russian fall is a pretty decent filly. I mean, any any horse that comes out and wins 11 from 14 and has gone around in grade 1s and grade 2s and grade 3s is a is a pretty decent animal. She arrives here having won the last three, including a couple of grade 1s. She actually had several of these in behind when she won the... Uh, Deanna Stakes at Saratoga last time. That was back in August. Prior to that, she actually broke, broke the race record when she won the Jenny Riley, and that was here at Keeneland. So that's a, a, another thing you need to factor in, the fact that she's already won here. Uh, in fact, when you look at the record, she's had six starts at Keeneland for five victories. So she loves the track. Uh, they bring her here after a short layoff. She's never been beaten off a layoff. So she would be my on-top selection. But, admittedly, this would be, with the European horses there, this is probably the best race she's gone around in. Around a four to one shot, Russian fall now. Paul, are you with the favourite or the, the joint favourite at the minute, even though it looks like like the Wells horse might go elsewhere, or are you going to be looking for something else? Yeah, it's just going to come to that. Is, I wish that tonight I was coming here. I say, Dave, my selection of Russian fall going out in front, it was all set for Suey to be sat up, backside up in the air and pick them up in the street. Uh, but alas, as you see, going elsewhere. So it's me and Mary for me in this one. Uh, they had a real ding dong with Russian Fall in the Diana. Uh, Russian Fall got the better of my girl by a net. Yes, Russian Fall seven to two. Me and Mary's fifteen to two, double the price for a net defeat. So I'll have them in a rematch. Uh, mentioned peaceful, disappointing since the Guineas couldn't have that. Uh, little saver on Medaya. Not too sure if she's going to come here. Uh, the Gosden Philly, but mm. I think she's a massive price. Uh, she could well run into a place, but again, not too sure if she goes here. So, uh, at the prices, 72 Russian Fall, 15 to 2, me and Mary for the next defeat. I'll go with the latter. It's uh, me and Mary. And Henry, finally, over to you, your selection in the race. Sorry, is, that, is the well Philly going for the turf, is it? Yeah. I think it looks so, yeah, like yeah. it is, yeah. All right. I'd, I'd love to see it in this one, to be honest. I know. The trip might be on the short side, but um, that was my idea of a selection in this race. So if that's going to turf, I'd have to agree with, with Tim on Russian Fall. Form in the book, won its last three, and I think it'll be tough to beat. Two shouts for Russian Fall there. The Breeders' Cup Mile is one race that a lot of us are looking forward to, given just how many European horses are going over to it. Camacola, 2000 Guineas winner, Shiskin, the Irish 2000 Guineas winner before he goes off to Stud. Safe Voyage, Circus Maximus. Tim, is this a shoe in given the quality of the European runners for the Europeans? 
Well, I, I think it's a shoe in for a European horse, but maybe not a current European horse. I think last year's winner, Uni, was pretty good last time. I know she was a little bit below par previous two, but she looked good, admittedly, against her own sex. But she won the um, the first lady last time out. She won that race leading into this last year when she won it. When she won this last year, she had Circus Maximus without Broad and Lord Glitters in behind. I suppose you could argue that the European Challenge this year is a little bit stronger with Kamiko and, mm. and Siska. And if, if I could ask you guys a, a question, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put Uni on top. Before I tell you who I'm putting in as the value for the, the forecast, I want to ask you guys a question because you follow the form over here. Given Siska and the, I, I know he was disappointing in France last time out, but I think there were a few genuine reasons for that. We know he's a fair bit better than that. You've got the Irish 1,000 guineas with a rate of 119 going over. You've got the English 2,000 guineas, I should say, when it going over. The English 2,000 guineas going over. Now, last time I had a look, uh, admittedly, it was you know, four to one, nine to two, the field. Kamiko was the favourite. And Siskin, you could get a double figures. Surely there's got to be a bit of value around Siskin in this. Or have we, we just written him off after France? I couldn't have him um, say it's it when we say when he won his air classes. I said we've got a whole but he has classes to receive. I take on board the price angle, but uh, say I've worried about the trainer. He's not my favourite trainer as well. There, Jerry Lyons. He's I say he obviously knows the time of day, but I wouldn't be confident putting me hard end in in him bringing one across the pond. So. Take it on board with the place angle, but uh, if, if he behaves, I actually think he'll enjoy the American temperament as well. A bit of a well, well, if, if, if you talk about horse psychology, he has it was the hood that upset him in France, wasn't it? But provided he doesn't have problems on that front in America, they tend to, as you would know, they, they, they race pretty tight over there, especially on the turf. You do see a bit of buffering. Now, if you have a look at that 2000 guineas in Ireland and what happened there and the way he got out and everything, which was well documented. Yeah. Talking about horse psychology, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a horse that doesn't mind a bit of the physical stuff. A little bit like, if, if you, you know, I know some people find this stuff all la di da, but I, you know, you've got to look at every angle. If you if you look at cricket, I know the Australians when when we had a proper good team, Warren McGrath and all them, they used to say they wouldn't they wouldn't get chirpy, you know, they wouldn't sledge Brian Lara because all of a sudden he'd go up a level. He'd, he'd love it, he'd thrive on it, and then he'd belt you all around the bar. So they'd just go quiet. It's a little bit, I'm just watching that horse in that race that day in the 2000 Guineas in Ireland. I, I actually think the way that panned out, I think he enjoyed it. And I, I kind of get a feeling that tight sort of racing they've got in America, provided he gets the right sort of draw. I, I just, I, I'm not, look, I haven't even put him on top. I've put Booney on top. I've gone, you know, the old school, the, the Philly's been there, done that. She's based in America. But I really do think he's the most overpriced runner in the race. One thing I would say, we, we have the match betting over here. So, oh, as you know, they're based over here. Uh, if you could get a match bet versus Cameco on 365 or something, then uh, I'd agree with you. So I think it'll finish ahead of Cameco. Uh, so I don't think it's, uh, it can beat the Americans, but so, so I agree the prices are wrong with it. So you can get a match bet system versus Cameco. Probably get what, 11 to 10, 6 to 4, maybe uh, on Siskin. On I'd, uh, I'd be interested, I don't want to beat this to death, but if we put the pen through the last run, if he doesn't go to France, what price? So about nine to two, myself. Five, five, nine to two. I think he's a favourite, wouldn't he? Probably, but yeah. especially over this mile as well, it's going to be firm and fast, isn't it? I yeah. Mean, it's seven furlongs, I reckon, would be his ideal trip. So I can certainly see the argument for. 
for Siskin in this race, especially Jay Lyons is in top form at the moment, so as long as it doesn't get upset. You make a good point about the seven furlongs. I mean, he loomed up at Goodwood and he just died on the run a little bit. This is going to be a far easier mile than Goodwood. Exactly, yeah. And that Goodwood race, it, even that was just a, a great run, I thought. It wasn't beaten far, was it? In it's only well, a length and a half behind the winner. Yeah, it, it probably the best mile race we've seen anywhere in the world this year. Yeah, definitely. So, Sisk in your selection, Tim, or have you got something? Up I, I'm going to look. I'm going to go with Uni because I, I, I look. She's a she's a finisher. I think the race is set up nicely for her. She's been there. She's done that. Um, I thought she was very good in this last year, but I do think Siskin is plenty of value. And if I can quickly just mention Raging Bull, who's a real mm. closer. If you look at his record, he's only won two of his last 10, but all 10 of those runs have been in grade once. And with his run style, of course, he's going to get beaten here and there, but he's a seriously good horse. He, he's the sort of horse, actually, I think would be suited to, to some of the racing we have over here in, in Europe. If there's a bit of speed on, I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to go overly quickly, but you'd like to think it'd be genuinely run. Look for Raging Ball to be running over the top of them because he is a seriously good animal. But I'm going to be a bit boring and go... She's, it might be a little bit bit sort of um, bias as well. Uni's actually, I latched onto her when she started going onto a winning run over there, a little bit like um, Sister Charlie uh, a year and a half ago as well. So she's been very good to me. So there might be a little bit of bias there. But I think she's probably, because you can get her at a each way price, I think she's probably the safest play. But I do think Siskin is very uh, much um, underrated when you look at the betting. Tim, yeah. just in regards to Uni, do you think it, it could be a positive as well? Uh, He's obviously had quite a, an easy season. That The last win set him up perfectly for this, where a lot of the European runners have had quite a hard season. And that, that might be a bit of an issue for the likes of Circus Maximus. He's had plenty of runs where comes in a little bit fresher. It's a great point. I don't think, you know, at the, at the start of a European campaign, when, you, when you've got a serious group one horse, the breeders might be something you look at halfway through the season or at the end of the season. It's not something you're really planning, I wouldn't think. You, you, you know, if you've got yeah. a horse like Emiko, well, they went to the Derby, didn't they? They, they went to the Juddmont, obviously won a, a classic as well. Whereas the American horses, the Unis, the Raging Ball, this has been their grand final all year. Everything has been aimed at this weekend or this Friday and Saturday. So it's a very good point you make. All going to you, Camaco, as Tim mentioned, has been aimed at all sorts of targets this season at all sorts of distance. Won the Guineas, went to the Derby, dropped back down to the Jugman, back dropped back down to the Mile last time and won the Joel Stakes. It's the favourite, but is that Joel Stakes form strong enough to be favourite in this race? It's a big step up in class, isn't it? Beating Royal Reality last time. That's uh, good to put that on my notes there, uh, yes. I guess it's another lay and it's another one for the Americans. Uh, yeah, totally agree with Kamiko. It beats Regal Reality by half a length in a grade two. And it comes up over a strong mile and it's favourites against the home team. Uh, out of the Europeans, I'd have Surface Maximus. Say, there's no secrets with him. He's teeth tough, you know what you're going to get. Uh, say, exposed, but he'll, he'll run its race off at the, at the Europeans at Surface Maximus. Uh, as Tim says, uh, Raging Bull will be finishing the best. Uh, absolute closer, but for me, always gets there too late and finds one too good. Uh, horse there, uh, Mo Forza. Uh, if this race was in Santa Anita, it would be my strongest bet, but alas, it's not. Uh, only raced outside the Cali once, and it was a stinker. So happy to uh, make that. Uh, you've got E. Ivor, uh, Brazilian bred. Uh, it's run twice in Argentina. You can throw them runs out. There's 
know, and that's exactly what they're talking about. Uh, but he's got progressively better, as he's uh, raced in the States, fifth on his debut, third, and then uh, won the last time out. Uh, so if there was an unexposed type in here, only had three runs in the States, so uh, he'd be interesting. Uh, but again, to agree with Tim, Uni, uh, one of my favourite sources in training for me. Uh, be trained to the minutes, snug win, as Henry touched on last month, so it'll be a uh, prep to the minute for this. Uh, should get the pace mid-pack to uh, pick them up. We've got newspaper of record if it goes in circuits maximus, so it should be a strong pace. If it's okay midfield and uh, pick them off down the street. And, uh, so uh, only for me, it's difficult to repeat the breezes, but confident she can do it. I just touched on one for Todd Fletcher as well, Holiday, to uh, double-figure price for those 14s. Uh, it tends to have a little $10 saver on that, but uh, probably my main bet of the, uh, of the meeting, Uni. Bit of confidence behind the six to one shots. We should be all getting on now, surely, because that might be absolutely grabbed by punters in the build up. Henry, do you like anything in the race? We've got all the horses like Safe Voyage, one master going over to it, known to, to listeners over here. Uh, to be honest, we're like it's a hat trick for Uni, like I said before. I think it's just had the perfect prep for this race with the cozy win last month. I think that'll set him up perfectly where a lot of the European horses have had hard seasons. And although I don't think there's much between them all, I think that could be a, a key point. The fact that we've had the conversation about Siskin as <laughs> I'm starting to consider back on that each way more and more after <laughs> after you this probably, podcast. But at the moment, if you're getting six to one for Uni, who's, who's obviously won, won the race last year, I think. That's certainly the value at the moment. I think with Siskin, just one thing I would say, maybe uh, give a plug to Sky Sports Racing here, make sure you're watching the live coverage and and just make sure he is on his best behaviour as well. Even yeah. if it's not copping a plug or two less, I think it's probably a smart play. Yeah, I don't think there'll be much change in the price, Will there? Where obviously, you'll know your chances over if it starts playing up before, before it goes in the stalls. Brilliant stuff. Well, Another European-dominated race is the Breeders' Cup turf that we'll go on to. Magical and Mogul in the race for Aidan O'Brien. Torno Owen for Dermot Well. Love, love the Prince of Wales winner for John Gosden. Tim, is this one that is firmly going to the away team or is there anything that can fend off their challenge? No, I don't think so. I think the Europeans will win this. They've got a fabulous record in the race, certainly in certain years. Um, I'm actually quite keen on Dermot Welch running here, Tanawa. I, I know what you're saying about the fillies and mares. I, I actually like her over a mile and a half. And I think that even though she came out and won on testing ground last time, she's, she's won on both. So apparently she goes on both. But I think from what Dermot Welch has said, um, I think she's better on top of the ground. He seems to think a mile and a half on top of the ground is the ideal conditions for her. And it looks like that's what she's going to get. And if anything, she's a filly who's getting better and better. I mean, she could potentially come out and run a career best on the weekend, uh, well, next week, I, I, I should say. Look, I know it's a good race on paper, but I really am quite keen on Tanawa here. Good stuff. Paul, Magical is a solid, solid source, isn't it? Fred O'Brien always runs it, always runs its race. Is it going to run its race over here, or do you fancy something else? Um, yeah, you'd probably say it's worthy favourite. Uh, as I say, it's Tanawa. I wish it was going in the other race, but... I could see, could see why it's prominent in the betting. Uh, Mogul, so you don't know what you're going to get with it. It's, if it's, so I'm going to leave this race. Uh, I think it will be a European victory. My only, only slight concern with Magicals, uh, tough season. 
it's been on the go quite a bit, but someone you could argue that she, you know she thrives on a race and so is that a negative? Not necessarily, but be this one slight question mark. But uh, so can't say if there's going to be much pace in the race, so she might just get her own way for racing dominance and then so you see them all off. But not a strong race. It's uh, it's one to restart. If you, if you have to put one up for a price, it's got instilled regarded back that a couple of times. Uh, so it could be a sentiment bet on that, but yeah, I'm going to leave this one alone, I think. You'd have um, to be surely. Sorry, guys, I was just going to say, Magical's last run, it was a pretty tough run on ground. It was a little bit tacky and maybe she didn't like it, but not, not the ideal lead-up, is it? You, you kind of have to be a little bit worried that's taken something out of the surely. That's what it is. As I say, it's, it was just... Say she says she's a tough fair, uh, tough mare, so she thrives on the racing. But uh, as you say, there it was a toughie, so yes. And then, as you say, the travel as well. And I, I know Aiden's been there, done there, got the t shirt with it. And but uh, say, happy to leave it alone in five to two. It's uh, yeah, no, uh, happy to pass. So, Henry Lord North was a very impressive winner, wasn't it? That's Royal Ascot in the um, in the Prince of Wales, but it's disappointed, obviously, last time I. I'll ask Scott behind a Dave, can it bounce back? Is this potentially the forgotten horse, or is it going to be over the top at this stage of the of the season? I mean, at the price, well, you'd probably be happy to take a chance, wouldn't you? Um, that that Royal Ascot win was very impressive, and it, it reads very strong now with the likes of a Dave going on to win the Champion Stakes. And John Gosden, master trainer, isn't he? I don't think he'd send them over if he didn't believe it could return to that level of form and. Back on, I mean, I know it has got form on all sorts of ground, but that, that Royal Ascot win was on good ground. So if if Gosden does decide to send Lord Nordo over, which it looks like he will, if you're getting around 9, 10 to 1, I think it's definitely the value play, isn't it? I definitely agree with that. I'd definitely be looking to uh, snap it up, certainly. Mo- t- brief on Mogul, Tim, what do you think about Mogul? I mean, it's always been well regarded by Aidan O'Brien, but you just never know what sort of run it's going to put in on a day. On a day, it can be a superstar. On a day, it can run like an absolute pig. Yeah, look, maybe it's taken a little bit of time to work him out because even when he won at Goodwood, I thought he looked a little bit dour there. And I sort of think, well, this horse hasn't really got a change of gear. And then next time he comes out, he shows a change of gear. So uh, a little bit like yourself. So I, I wouldn't back him simply because I don't know what we're going to get, but it wouldn't surprise me if he came out and won the race. He, he's obviously a pretty good colt, but... Yeah, he's a, he's a little bit he's a little bit tough to get a handle. Like, as I said, a good one. I would have sworn him. He nearly looked like he was looking for two mile when he won a Goodwood, but <laughs> since been more impressive. It might just be that he, he start you know the penny starting to drop now. And are you lads mogul? Give it a chance, or is it too inconsistent? Yeah, it's one hard, and it? it's uh, see, he couldn't put it. Uh, it wouldn't surprise you if it won, but then it wouldn't surprise you if it blows up and gets tailed off. So, yes, yeah, uh, approach with caution. I would say with that one. Brilliant. Well, we'll move on to our last race that we're covering tonight, and that is indeed the Breeders' Cup Classic, one of the main races of the evening. Tim, tis the law. What do you think about his chances? I mean, it's a great race, isn't it? You've got the, the three Triple Crown winners in it. Tis the law, Swiss Skydiver and Improbable. I mean, would you be looking at any of those, or do you think that they can be taken on? I've got to be honest, from a betting perspective, I don't like the race. I think it's really open. Um, but I think at the same time, it's probably going to be the, the best race of the meeting, which it should be, being the classic. 
as far as Chester Law goes, well, he's been one of the top Colts all season. He won the, the, the Belmont and the Travis. I thought I thought he was a tad disappointing in the derby. I, I didn't think there was any real excuses. I know they tried to make some afterwards. I didn't think there was any real excuses there. But to be fair to the horse, he wasn't stopping either in behind Authentic on that occasion. I think he'd certainly be a chance in this. The other thing I do like as well, after that, they just said, well, look, we can't win the Triple Crown, even though the whole thing's been back to front this year. We can't win the Triple Crown, so he's not going to go to the Preakness. So you know that they've completely laid him out for this since then. He's obviously a high-quality cult. I haven't put him on top, but yeah, he's certainly got a very good chance of, of winning what looks a very open classic. Paul, of the three winners who've took the respective Triple Crown races this season... Tis the law, authentic, and Swiss skydiver. Would you be on the side of any of them? Is that to me? Sorry, it was to you. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Actually, I would. And this is say it's authentic. Actually, my selection in this one. Just run through the opposite. You've got Tom the Tats. He'll be popular, but seven years of old, seven years age. There's no secrets with him. It's disappointing as well when he was in the Whitney and hasn't been seen since. So, age and absence to overcome. Uh, I think Sister Law, most of his best performance have been in New York. So I'd have it uh, so I know it's not the greatest distance, but I'd be a bit worried about the travel. And if, uh, I don't think there was any excuses there uh, for his defeat by offensive. So he come to win and uh, just couldn't get past my selection. Uh, improbables, worthy favourites, nothing sexy about them. So around 14 times, one from seven. Uh, hasn't put a foot wrong, to be fair to him, in the second half of the year, 2020. So, absolutely favourite. Can't argue with that. But, I say, there's, uh, there's, there's no secrets about him. So, and at the price, so I'm happy to take him on. Uh, couldn't have maximum security of stolen money. So, uh, thought of offensive. Uh, well, disappointing. He didn't uh, see off the Philly Swiss skydiver in the Preakness. Uh, but, as I say, going back to the Kentucky Derby. She won't go Swiss no, club. I think she's got. She's she's going, going, yeah, she's going to do stuff where she'll get beat by Monomoy Girl, but uh, that's a different argument. I'll touch on that at the end. Um, but yes, uh, offensive, Kentucky Derby. Uh, off, sorry, Tister Law come to beat him, but couldn't get past him. He has his quirks, say, a bit, bit of a lunatic, so he'll need to uh, behave himself. Uh, but if Johnny V can get him out early, uh, make all. It's a tough, tough little bugger. It's got a touch of class about him. Uh, the front two in the daddy pulled well clear of our collector as well, who's a decent sort in his own right. Uh, so if uh, Velasquez can get out on him, he's going to be difficult to pass. Uh, so it could be another one for Mr. Buffett. So thanks at the place, 5 11 to 2. It's uh, authentic for me, the derby winner. Paul, can I, can I throw a stat half at you after all of that? Yeah, yeah. Since 1990, how many horses have won the Kentucky Derby and the Classic in the same year? Um, I to, can I just go to the bathroom? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to, to be honest, no. I looked it up, I didn't know. I knew it wasn't many. Only one, and that was American Pharaoh, Pharaoh. So one in the last 30 years. Now, I know that the whole Triple Crown I know, the, uh, of one horse in 30 years, and he was a pretty handy one, have won the Derby and the Classic in the same year. Yes, well, something's confused us a bit, but uh, I say in for a penny, in for a pound, I can't jump off the ship now, so I'll uh, up, stop I'm, there. To be by no means, my problem is you off. It, it's really open. No, no. There that, that it shows it's a really tough race for the winner to win. Well, there's definitely something in it. It's one in 30. People tend to like look at it. I've been guilty of it as well. Like some trends are paying no notice of, but they're obviously there for a reason. And 
obviously when I'm looking at me losing betting slip, ignoring the trends, it uh, might be an idea to start looking at them a bit more. Henry, are you on the authentic ship or will you be jumping off and joining Paul or will you be staying on your other ship that you fancy? I like one of Bob Baffert's other ones and it's, it's the favourite, to be honest, improbable. It won't be a strong selection because like the lads have said, it's very wide open and it's just going to be a great spectacle. But Improbable's in, in great form recently, won three grade ones on his last three starts, holds maximum security as well on the last run. The only slight concern is he hasn't done anything impressive on the clock. I don't know what Tim thinks about that, but obviously Bob Baffert knows what he what it takes to win a race like this. He's got big speed figures. That's that's really impressive. The, the thing that would worry me, I know he won the Gold Cup and I know he wasn't stopping over nine furlongs, but there's going to be a lot more pressure than what he's had before in this race. In fact, when you look at the race, you'd nearly swear it's going to be set up for a horse that just parks around about mid-division somewhere because I would imagine this is going to be run fairly quickly. I'll tell you what is interesting. So I said at the top of this, I don't like this race from a betting perspective. And you've got one of us going for one of Bob's uh, runners in Authentic, one going for another one in Plorable. And guess what? And this might be a little bit of a cliff horse for me this time. I better follow Maximum Security. He's been a really good horse uh, for mine. I actually think he's a very underrated horse. He's a controversial horse through mostly no fault of his own. Now, I know he was a bit disappointing last time out, but they just rode him a little bit differently. I, I don't know if that race was there with sort of, well, I said, you've got to be careful how you word this, but I think that was a bit more of a trial and just a little bit of a pipe opener for this. They, they kind of mm -hmm. rode him a little bit more conservative. I've been hearing that this horse is working like Pegasus in the mornings at the moment. We know what he's capable of when he's at his best. And anyone who watched him, you know, the amazing thing about the Derby, when you watch him in the Derby from last year, okay, he had it taken off him. And I agree, he should have under the rules. But when you look at that race, for a young horse to do what he did, to veer off, I, I actually think it was at a, a puddle. It was a, the lights shining into the puddles. He's shied away from it. He's gone four or five off the fence. He's come back and to actually fight back and win the race as strongly as he did. It was an incredible performance, even though he had the race taken off him. And if you watch him in Saudi this year, and he was against proper American horses over there like Midnight Vizu, and I know Ben Battle was back in third, but the, the first two were, were much the best. If you watch that race, he looked beaten three or four times up the stretch. By God, he's a tough horse. He just finds so much. And I do think with the likes of Authentic, um, who else have you got? Uh, improbable, global campaign, all these horses going forward. I, I actually think maximum security, even though he's one that likes to roll forward too, I do think he could end up with this sort of one-out, one-back position, getting the gun run all the way. And, uh, yeah, he's been there and done it, whereas a lot of these three-year-olds, they, they just haven't quite gone at this level, if you know what I mean. The pressure in this race is going to be very different to anything they've experienced before. Well, we'll move on to the final second, second segment of the podcast then. We want your best bets from each of you of either the Melbourne Cup or the Breezers Cup. Best bets each. Tim, we'll start with you. And as for coming on the On The Knob podcast in association with that at Com, we're giving you a £10 free charity bet. So over to you. Oh, well, look, if you're going to give me a £10 free charity bet, I've got to go with Twilight Payment. Um, I, I just think that the price are available there. 40 to 1, it looks well over for mine. So let's go for the, the value twilight payment in the Melbourne Cup. On the nose or each way? Oh, on the nose, I don't bet each way. That's that's not my caper. <laughs> and <laughs> your, choice, your choice? Sorry, was that for me? Chosen charity of choice, sorry, Tim. Oh, sorry. Uh, how about the injured jockeys fund? I, that's, that's one I think uh, is, is very well worth um, supporting. 
brilliant twilight pain for Tim in the Melbourne Cup. Paul, what's your fancy either in the Melbourne Cup or across the two days in the Breeders' Cup cards? Um, yes, my bankers, uh, we haven't touched on the race, but it's man and my girl in the discard. Uh, I think she'll see off Swiss, Swiss skydiver, no problem. Uh, the bank of the whole meeting is unfortunately not going. That was volatile in the sprint. Uh, I think that's been retired for Asiman. Uh, so I would have a small each way on collusion, illusion, about 25. Uh, but my nap for the meeting is Uni, uh, 6 to 1 to Ruffy. Uni's very well fancied by all three. And Henry, finally, over to you, the best bet of either the Melbourne Cup or the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, I'll, you know what? I like one in the Philly and May Spring. I mean, it's pretty short price, but I just can't see how it, how it gets beat. She she was third in the Kentucky Oaks last time out, and then that was over one mile on Fairlong, and I think that was just a bit too far for her. She won twice before over shorter, and now returns to seven Fairlongs. If she runs anywhere near a top form, I just can't see how she gets beat. She's only a three year old, so totally unexposed, and. That that'll be my best bet of the of the weekend. That was meant to be the next best thing. Where it's so like it broke the track record uh, on its second run. Then Bubble was first a bit on the uh, on yeah. that one, but yeah, think it's, back it's, down into it. It's not the strongest exactly. race either. So uh, I'll do it's it. Just saying, she's returned a couple of positives as well, hasn't she? So I think. Uh, <laughs> With Bob Baffert, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, to be fair, just, just before we finish on that, you've got to remember it's a really complicated system over there. That's one other thing I would say. They've got different rules and laws, state to state, state to state. And and, and the, the positives for Gamine aren't exactly blow-your-head-off type drugs. They're, they're more sort of, um, well, I think they're, they're what they call grade three or, or C class or something like that. It's very much the lower end of the scale. That's just one thing I would say before we put Bob away. I know, we can cut it out for libel anyway. Yeah, before we we get the uh, lawsuits in for slander, we'll wrap up this podcast. Tim, you've been an absolutely super Tim, just Sorry, just a quick quick question before you go, Tim. Hypothetically, of course, and we won't do it at Ascot because it's too obvious, Cox Plate on good grounds, wings first for ankle. Who wins and what's the distance? Um, To be fair, I'd I'd have to say Frankel, um, he's Probably the most outstanding turf horse I've ever seen. Um, but you are taking maybe, you know, I don't believe in this greatest of all time thing. I think it's impossible to quantify. But you are talking about, you know, a horse that a lot of people would say is the greatest European horse of, of all time. But don't underestimate how good Winx was. I know that Australian form and her bias. The one thing, and I'm sorry, I know you want to wrap this up. The one thing I would say, it doesn't matter whether it's Secretariat, Frank or Winx, whoever, when you look at champions, when you look at these freak horses, the one thing that really stands out is when you look at their bios. And by that, I mean what they can do physically, regardless of the opposition. And Winx's bios were amazing. She, she Honestly, she could win group ones between six furlongs and ten furlongs. And the fact that she was able yeah. to run peak figures from six and a half furlongs up to ten furlongs tells you a hell of a lot about it. Excellent stuff. Well, Tim, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It's been uh, much appreciated. Your insight has been invaluable heading into two huge, huge days of racing in the Breeders' Cup as well as the Melbourne Cup. You've been listening to the On The Knob podcast in association with thatagold.com. Make sure you check out thatagold for all the best bookmaking offers. Make sure you get a few free bets before you have a bet this weekend. And join us next time. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, Tim. Cheers, Paul. Thanks, guys.